0: Isn't it powerful to be reminded that Jesus was not only at creation, but he was part of creating. Things were created by him and for him. And so this morning, goodness, we're officially into the first week of summer, right? Yay! That came in on Tuesday and then Wednesday, as Joy alluded to in her prayers, wow, we had a wonderful, powerful display. It, I thought I was back in Florida for just a few <laughs> minutes. I hadn't heard thunder in Southern California for a long, long time, and the lightning, and, and goodness, wow. Summer in the Psalms. It's like God was right there with us this week, reminding us as we turn our attention today to Psalm number 19, declaring the glory of God. God does that through his creation. God does that through his law, his word to us. And God does that as he speaks to us in our own hearts and minds, as we're reminded that we are sinful people needing Jesus as a savior. And so this morning, I I hope and pray that we can walk away with two things, with two things. And if God gives you three, awesome. But the first thing, that you are loved by God far more than you can imagine. That you are loved by God far more than you can imagine. And creation and his word and his Holy Spirit help bring that to us. I've been shopping at a local uh, grocery store uh, recently because they've been sending me $20 coupons. You know, you go in and you buy $40 and you get $20 off, and especially with inflation and everything, that's not a bad deal, right? But suddenly they took that coupon away (laughs) because I I heard from the cashier, oh, you gotta, you know, we're letting you use it more than once. But they took it away from me one time and said corporate said no more. I think too many people were figuring out this good deal. Why do I tell you that story? Because I think sometimes when we, we think about being loved by God or forgiven by God, we just want to cash in a little bit of a coupon and say, God, let me give you this and, and you forgive me for our, my sin. Do I get a discount today for my sin? I, 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 we need to realize that we have nothing to do with being loved by God, being forgiven by God. God. We are totally helpless, in need of full and total redemption. Jesus is the one that has paid it all. Amen? Amen. The second thing I want you to walk away with you today, and that's why I brought up two Bibles today. This one is about ready to fall apart. But I would love for you to get a hunger and thirst to be daily in the Psalter, to be daily in the Psalms. And why I share that with you, I need to be a little bit transparent with you as well, is I was doing that for, for many years. I'm, I'm uh, marking each psalm that I read every day, and I look back over eight years. I'm in my eighth cycle of reading through the psalms. But I just started it again this Thursday out of like, oh, my gosh, you've taken a long break, Brian. And, and as you read through the psalms... As I look back to each psalm that I have read through back in 2013 or 2008, I have little notes by some of them because it was a great day. It was a tough day, whether it be personally or in our nation or in our world. And I'm, and I'm amazed about how much God can speak to us, yes, from Genesis through Revelation, but particularly through The Psalms. John Calvin said the Psalms are an anatomy of the soul. Martin Luther said the Psalms are a little Bible. I would like to think that we could also see the Psalms as a spiritual GPS, directing us to God, reorienting our perspectives on faith and life. And so this morning friends as we turn to Psalm number 19 I invite you to do that in your bibles if you have them with you the first thing I want us to look at this is the emphasis that I feel is of Psalm 19 is God's revelations of himself as I mentioned in creation in scripture and also how God reveals himself in our human heart friends it is very interesting Very, very interesting that God can reveal himself through his creation, through his word, and from the depths of our human heart. Pastor Eugene Peterson says, Most Christians, for most of the Christian centuries, have learned to pray by praying the Psalms. The Hebrews, with several centuries of a head start on us in matters of prayer and worship, provided us with this prayer book that gives us a language adequate for responding to the God who speaks to us. A lot of us think we're just rookies with prayer, that we we can only say help or thank you. And there's nothing wrong with those prayers. Any of you ever prayed those prayers before? Help or thank you. And we can build upon that because Jesus, friends, prayed the Psalms. Jesus knew the Psalms. And as we spend time in God's word day by day, especially in the Psalter, we're going to be able to put language to deeper and more intimate prayer with God. There are songs of joy and praise, aren't there? There are psalms of despair and lament. There are psalms of frustration. I almost see the psalmist shaking, their fist at God, saying, where are you? I need you. And this psalm that we're going to experience this morning starts out by describing the glory of God in nature. The second half of the psalm, 19, describes in detail the importance of the law of God. And it seems like an odd transition from creation and all its wonder and splendor and power To God's word. Is there a connection? Are they supposed to be together? Maybe they're even two different. Supposed to be two different poems or psalms. But they are not. The psalm is about wondering if it is two different poems. Nature or the law. It's about God and how he speaks to us. This is what I want you to hear as we encounter Psalm 19 today. Let's listen to God's word together. Psalm 19, beginning with verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech They use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course." It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Now, here's the shift in verse 7 from creation to the law. And we're not to fear the law. We're not to be overburdened by the law. Listen to how the psalmist describes the purpose and power of God's word, of God's instructions, of God's commandments. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure enduring forever the decrees of the lord are firm and all of them are righteous they are more precious than gold than much pure gold i love how eugene peterson translates this verse he said they're more precious than strawberries very ripe strawberries (laughs) how many of you love strawberries (laughs) but god's word is precious They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned in keeping them. There is great reward. God's creation, God's law or God's word to us. And now in verse 12 and 13, how God speaks to us in our heart. For we need to realize that we are sinful people in need of a savior. And so the psalmist continues, verse 12, but who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. And then a prayer that we can all pray together this morning. Let's do it together. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God's word to us this morning. Friends, the power and the beauty of God's word, of God's Psalm 19 and isn't it interesting, just a few minutes ago, we heard about how creation was, has a voice, and yet it is voiceless. God's creation can communicate truth without speaking. Now, I was going to put up a picture here of Gene giving me a teacher look. Any of you have good teacher looks? <laughs> but I decided not to do it, or I get one later. But you know what I'm talking about. That look that somebody can give you without even speaking a word. Gene has a great teacher look. (laughs) And I get it often. So, (laughs) but God's creation is like that. Even though it is not audible words. Just go back to as we were awoken last Wednesday morning, right? It was speaking to us, right? God's creation was speaking to us as a day that God created and had given us was coming to life. And it's very interesting that the psalmist included a reference to the sun. The sun is exactly where it belongs, and it does the purpose for which it was intended. And so God's law or God's word to us is there for a purpose too. To do what God intended it to do. I mean, we may look at the Ten Commandments and hear, for example, two of them. Do not covet or do not lust. And we could say this is another way of saying these are aspects of God's moral law. And and I believe this is more than just a simple test that we don't covet or we, we don't lust. God put that there as his word to us because it's for our own good. Every law which God has given has been for our benefit. And sometimes we forget that. That God loves us more than we could ever imagine, and he wants what's good for us. If a person breaks it, they are not only rebelling against God, but they are hurting themselves. God gave the law because he loves us. It is for our benefit. God's commandments were given to protect and promote our happiness, not to restrict it. God wants the best for us. To ask God to revise his commandments would be to ask him to stop loving us. And in our universe, friends, we live under God's law as well. In the physical realm, planets, think about it, planets move in split-second precision. There is no guesswork in the galaxies. We see in nature that everything is part of a plan which is harmonious, orderly, and obedient. And yet on this side of heaven, we can also see when creation is broken and needs God's redemption more than just that coupon from the grocery store. We need God's full and total redemption, those whom God has created as well as those created things. And so this question came to mind. Could a God who made the physical universe be any less exacting in the higher spiritual and moral law? God knows what God is doing. And yet there's times when we wrestle with his creation. And we wrestle with his law. And yet God loves us so. The psalmist rejoices at the voice of God in his word, the glory of God. God's word declares God's glory. God's creation, even in its silent and yet powerful witness, declares God's glory and his love for us. And that's why we end this psalm responding. The psalmist is is wrestling with, because of your creation. Because of your word, God, forgive me of any sin that I confess and any deep, dark sin that I'm not even aware of. Cleanse me, use me, fill me. Friends, God wants us to flourish. Say flourish. Flourish. Say it one more time. Flourish. God wants us to flourish. God loves us more than we can ever imagine. We were bought by God at a very high price. Jesus, as we heard from Colossians, was crucified, dead, and buried. And yet Jesus was present there when God spoke things into being. And so, friends, because of Jesus, you are forgiven. You are a new creation. You are a child of God. God wants us to realize his love in our lives and he gives us his creation and we're to use all of our senses. We're to use all of our senses to enjoy that creation. We're to use all of our imagination and creativity as we engage his word. God wants us to flourish. God has more to give you and me. He has stuff for us to do, broken and as flawed as we are. One way to describe what God offers is his flourishing, renewing spirit. God wants us to flourish. In Psalm 92, verse 12, the righteous flourish like palm trees and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Or as we might say, let's say in California, the righteous flourish like the palm tree and like the redwoods of sequoias in our mountains. Psalm 92 is, has that echo of Psalm chapter 1 that Pastor Curtis introduced to us just a couple weeks ago. Those who do not keep the counsel of the wicked and delight in the law of the Lord were told they are like what? Trees planted by streams of water, and they yield fruit in season, and their leaves do not wither. And so, friends, let's be rooted in God's law, in God's word. And in closing today, I'd like us to look at these three things. To be reminded that Psalm 19 tells us first to see God's glory in nature. Experience it with all of your senses. I know there's some tough days in God's creation, aren't there? What do we do with floods and hurricanes and earthquakes and fires? And yet, let's be thankful for God's glory that is displayed in his creation. God's voice of power in creation prepares the way for his grace of the gospel. God's voice of power in creation prepares the way of his voice in the gospel. When Paul preached to the Gentiles, he started with creation and then moved into the gospel message. Philip Brooks gave the first instructions about God to Helen Keller, who was blind and deaf, and she replied that she had always known there was a God, but didn't know what his name was. Our task, then, is to tell the world that his name is what? Jesus. That his name is Jesus. And secondly, listen for God's voice, Scripture. I almost said hear God's voice in Scripture. Now, that's important, too, but I'm not an English major, but I think there's something more deep and committed about listening. I mean, we can hear noise, right? You know, like the Charlie Brown teacher, wah, 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 wah. (laughs) But if we're deeply listening, listening for God's voice in Scripture. That may mean setting aside time, whether you're an early bird or a late night owl, right? Or anywhere in between. See God's glory in nature, listen for God's voice in Scripture. Unless we have a personal relationship, friends, with the Lord so that God is our Father and Jesus is our Redeemer, what we see in creation and what we read in the Bible will not do us much good. I think of that story in Matthew chapter 2 of the Magi, who started on their journey by following God's what? star a special messenger in the sky to direct them. Then they consulted God's word and found that the king was to be born in a little town of Bethlehem. So they went to Bethlehem and there found and worshiped the Savior. Friends, when you study God's creation with a Bible in your hand, you can't help but see Jesus. When you study God's creation with a Bible in your hand, you can't help but see Jesus. I mean, God's word in the hand is fine. God's word in your mind or in your head is better. But the word of God in your heart is what transforms us and matures us in Jesus. And so finally this morning, as you leave this place, aware of God's creation and God's word, I trust in a deeper way, go serve God in your own life and flourish. God wants you to flourish. God wants you to enjoy his creation and his word. Take time to allow it to soak from your hands, from your head, into your heart. And as we serve God and as we flourish... We declare God's glory. Amen? Amen. Dear Jesus, we thank you for your word to us this morning. We thank you that you were the first of all of creation. And that you love us so deeply. I pray that you would challenge each of us to dig deep into your word, to take time to, to go through each and every one of your psalms. May it be our prayer book to you in days of plenty and in days of want. So we thank you that you are in control and for your love and for your grace and mercy that is new every morning. We pray this in your wonderful and powerful name and God's people say,